Welcome to your new favourite true crime podcast, hosted by two self-diagnosed psychos and their food babies. Join us each week to discuss the world's most depraved and delicious crimes. I'm Georgia. I'm Shannon. And this is Sinners and Dinners. This week we will be discussing a favourite combination of ours, murders and burgers. Unfortunately for me, these burgers are not the type of vegetarian would want to eat, or in fact, that anyone would want to eat. Today is the terrifying tale of Joe the Cannibal Methany. So, Georgia, what do you think on first look on him? How, how are you feeling about him? In the nicest way possible, I can compliment a serial killer. <laughs> the, the cute little nickname that I've given our good friend Joe is actually the sentient scrotum. Um, I would like to direct our listeners' attention to our Instagram where we do have a cute little collage of Joe. Um, I I especially love the one where he's holding his stomach and making it into a butt. I think that's (laughs) particularly cute. Like the Americans playing there on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, he's a looker, bless him. He, um, he was hit with the ugly stick a couple of times. A little um, bit. Yeah, he, he, the world was not kind to Joe when it came to jeans. <laughs> he was um, a heavy set man. He, he was a, he, he was big boned. Yeah, uh, that's a nice way of it. He was fat. Thank you. <laughs> do, <laughs> you <laughs> do you have your own nickname for Joe? Mine's uh, a sentient scrotum. I love an alliteration. I love a rhyme. I just think he's kind of minging. Okay. Like, in the nicest way. It's just a bit gross. Yeah. Like, he literally looks like... Like, oh, can you imagine the sweat patches on that? Like, can you just... Do you know what I, I mean? Just, I can kind of imagine mushrooms growing. Oh. Especially the one with his tongue out. I think he's in prison in the one photo where he has his tongue out. It's just the teeth. It's just... It's just everything. It's not, it's not the one. Yeah. It's just not. I'd actually like to... Um, put to our viewers, uh, viewers, listeners, a challenge that if you can come up with any kind of better nickname for Joe, other than the cannibal, which is, let's be honest, just boring, <laughs> very non-creative, um, if you can come up with anything better than the sentient scrotum, please, please comment on our Instagram and we'll see if we can rename the episode. Um, but I think tonight, in honour of this, of this gorgeous, gorgeous man's death, um, back in uh, 2017, I believe it was, we will be um, we'll be chowing down on some of McDonald's best. What what's your menu item going to be tonight, Shannon? So I think for me, being the boring human I am, it will probably be some chips. But I love to buy a bun and just put the chips <laughs> in the bun. Like, I don't know what you it is. You can't go wrong with a chip butty. Yeah, but it's obviously it's not proper chips, is it? You can't go wrong with like a proper chip shop chip, but. McDonald's will have to do for this evening. <laughs> we won't disclose our location, but there are a few people around, a few professional people, who probably wouldn't appreciate me leaving my notes for this episode in the printer, which I was a bit worried I might do. So They definitely would think they're a bunch of freaks. <laughs> like they don't already. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> Take that one back. Yeah. Okay, I am curious about Joe's kind of early upbringing, Shannon. Do you want to yeah, give us so, a taste, for uh, lack of a better word? I'll get right down into the juicy parts. So, good old Joe, 
His story begins in Baltimore, Maryland. I know George is going to be annoyed that I pronounced that completely wrong. Maryland. <laughs> and on the 2nd of March, 1955, he was a Pisces low, thanks to that comment there, George. <laughs> um, the people have to know. <laughs> Joe was born with the name Joseph Roy Metheny. Joe was one of six siblings, and that is a horde of children there. Like, let's hope that all of them did not turn out to be such great humans. Six. Just like, just six. It's a horde, isn't it? I mean... That's a football team. I'm an only child, so I can't even imagine one other sibling that I'd have to share things with. But I I am. I I do have a sibling, but fuck me, I could kill him sometimes. (laughs) So imagine having more. I don't know what I would do. Mm. So no, maybe that's what drove him. <laughs> you know what? You know what? That that might just be it. When Joe was six, his uh, dad, who, funnily enough, was an alcoholic, mm. so you can kind of start to see why Joe might have gone the wrong path in life. Mm. Um, he died in a car crash, which meant that Joe's mother had to take double shifts to work to make sure that they could afford to eat. So he now is a so the single mother is now taking care of these six children. Yes, out doing double shifts as a waitress, barmaid, and truck driver. Wow. Uh, yeah, she was doing it all. Yeah, um, I would say she's kind of a saint, but we do know so, some things about her a little bit later, which would kind of contradict that. But goodness, some people are just kind of set up to fail. He didn't seem to have the most. Homely. <laughs> like, just saying, just a disclosure there, if you have a bad background, it does not give you the excuse to murder. Just Absolutely slipping that one Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Leading on from the fact that Joe's mum works so much, um, Joe was said to have had a neglected childhood. Of course, this is coming from Joe, who we know is not the most reputable source when it comes to talking about his past. Um, he liked to lie a lot. Um, he didn't always tell the truth. He also stated that he lived with other families from time to time in a foster-like situation. Joe's mother would later disagree with this and say that he never had to move and live with other people like that was a lie and that none of the children ever went hungry and he was never neglected. Um, She did also later on go and say that if he was neglected, it was his own fault, which (laughs) is not the best motherly thing to say, Mm. but um, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. Yeah, I mean, you do you boo, but <laughs> when you do kind of look back on your own child being a serial killer, you, you may have a few. The blame's got to lie somewhere. Mm, yeah. <laughs> There's got to be something, something going on. Mm. Joe basically laid on the fact of how he was so neglected. I think it was kind of a get a way out of the fact of all these horrible things that he did is why they were going on about how bad his life was. Um, But Joe was always described as an above average student that was always polite and was never mean as a child. Um, What went wrong? (laughs) (laughs) When Joe was 18 in 1973, he left home to go and join the army. His mother said that he served in Germany. Um, However, Joe later said that he served in Vietnam, another one where it's a bit contradicting. No one quite knows if it was Germany or Vietnam. Um, I'm pretty sure that the press at the time of when he was convicted for the murders couldn't verify whether it was Vietnam because I believe the Vietnam War was over by the time that Joe was saying that he was out there. Mm. So another great lie from Joe. <laughs> well done, Joseph. <laughs> um, so after joining the army, Joe rarely contacted his mum. Like, I don't blame him. Like, she, she didn't sound the best, but still, like... She pushed you out, man. <laughs> Give mm. us some contact. Um, his mother said that he just kept drifting 
further and further away. Um, she blames a lot of it on the drugs because uh, when he was serving in the army, he, that was when he became addicted to the heroin. The heroin. <laughs> the heroin. <laughs> So yeah, in 1990s, Jay was referred to as the nickname Tiny, which is quite laughable if you guys have seen the photo. Like, he was a large man. Like, he was not small. It was really ironic. He um, had a large frame and a six foot one height and approximately 400 LBs. Wowzer. Yeah, he was a beast. (laughs) If you saw that coming, he'd run the other way. Which, by the way, we would never normally make fun of anyone with any type of if you're a decent human any being, type of body type but i'm not coming at you but if you're murdering people i'm gonna say and he's also say. dead so what is he gonna do come after us <laughs> What's he gonna do? <laughs> i'm i'm not gonna ever like sit and be horrible to people it's not my thing but genuinely hunt like you're an ass i'm gonna i'm gonna come after you yeah. if i need to respectfully bit of a wanker if if like when you think about all those poor victims that had to suffer joe like I'm not going to be nice about you. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> so after being referred to as tiny, um, Joe was mostly living in bars and living in makeshift camp with homeless people um, down in South Baltimore. Most of Joe's money went on his addiction to crack cocaine, heroin and Southern comfort. I do hope he was mixing that with lemonade, not <laughs> necking it straight. That I would never suggest that many a night. <laughs> <laughs> Which, considering all these factors of the cocaine, living in homeless shelters and stuff, he still managed to hold down a steady job as a forklift driver. No idea how. Pros to you for that, Jay. I can barely hold down a job as it is now. (laughs) And I've got a home. (laughs) The pros to you, Joe, on that one good thing you did in life. So I have a few quotes that um, Joe said when he was um, convicted, he made a confession. And in that, he spoke about some of his life before he committed the murders. Um, He says that he was a truck driver. Obviously, we have it under the pressure that he was a forklift driver. So it's conflicting. They're not that similar, but maybe he thinks they are. (laughs) Above average intelligence. (laughs) That's mean. I'm sorry. Um, He said that he was working overtime one night. And then when he got back home... And opened the door and turned the light on. He realised that no one was there. Apparently he had a partner and a son. And she had just decided one day, I'm out, I'm gone, see you later. Um, Which, to be honest, if he was capable of committing these kind of crimes, I'm sure he wasn't the most pleasant person to live with. Get out of there, girl. (laughs) Get out of there. Get those bags, get gone. Like, you did yourself a favour. Don't blame her for going. Um, He also was like addicted to many things like ain't nobody got time for that no honestly um, and with a child there was yeah this like young can you child. imagine trying to like be like don't pick up that dodgy needle <laughs> like no <laughs> no um so i get that she gone he apparently said that this was kind of a turning point for him when he decided that enough was enough he's gonna go out on this killing rampage um we don't know how quite true that is if this happened before or during murders um but he just implied that this was one of the reasons why. It was that last thing that pushed him over the edge. He turned around and said that he found out about six months later after she left that um, she had been living down the other side of town, which that is a kick in the face. Can you imagine like walking into Costco and be like, oh, all right, darling, I ain't seen you in a while. <laughs> yeah, sounds mate, just moved down the road. <laughs> I'm sure that would have been great for him. Um, and that apparently she was selling her, 
ass for drugs. Oh. Nice. No wonder she left you, Joe. Take a little look inside yourself and wording like that might mm. have been the reason she left. Yeah, not the, not the most respectful. And in International Women's Week of all times, yeah, honestly. Hun, up that game. <laughs> up that game. <laughs> if someone was like, yeah, your ass, like, nah. Yeah, I, I do have a nah. couple quotes later from his confession that I just... Oh. They're questionable. Mm. They are questionable. Um, he just... Oh, he's just a dick. There's no other way to put it. He's just a dick. I'm sorry, Joe. You're not a nice guy. And I'm just not backing you. Mm. I'm just not backing you. So that's me up until um, his murder. So I'm going to hand over to Georgia to explain all the nice gruesome things that he did. So Georgia, tell me, what was he up to? Oh, God, Shannon, thank you so much. Okay, so the first definite murder we have kind of on the roster for Joe took place in July of 1994 when he met a sex worker named Kathy Ann Magazina who was either 39 or 45 <laughs> in the sources I was looking at though uh, I'll go with 39 oh come on let's do what's, some, what's let's the do average us- of that I can't do maths. Okay, 39, 39, Kathy. Let's were, give it to her. Like, yeah. she had an unfortunate end. Let's, let's give it to her. Let's yeah. lock those years mm-hmm. off. Babe, she was looking 20. Yeah. In one of his many haunts, I suspect, as you said, he was essentially living in bars around uh, Baltimore at the time. He met Kathy in a bar. After talking, they ended up back in his home, which home is a, is a word. Loose um, term. <laughs> yeah, he lived in a small trailer located at the Joe Stein and Son Pallet Company, which is actually where he was employed as a forklift driver. Not truck driver, Joe. Get your facts straight. <laughs> I mean, one could say a forklift is just a little truck. It's really not. <laughs> it's really not. One's got forks, one's not. <laughs> According to what Joe later told the police, he had sex with Kathy while she was par- partially closed, which, by the way, kind of is... Mm, possibly rape i doubt he, she, did he say she was partially closed so what he just like bent her over pulled the scarf and went for it i'm kind of thinking um absolutely animal. i understand she was a sex worker but there's a different there's still consent in that kind of profession also so. you've got a pay joe okay. yeah absolutely absolutely no one works for free um consent is a thing kids okay abs- no means no <laughs> So an hour later, so I'm, I'm not sure if he was... Are they going for in, an hour? I'm not sure, or if this assault took place and then he kind of just left her for an hour to stew in her own terror before he uh, strangles her with an extension cord. Of all the things. Of all the things, I know. Um, what, did he like go, I'll be back in a minute, Kathy, just kind of off to go get my extension laid? I like, mean, of all the things you were going to strangle with someone, like with, that you had to leave for an hour to go get or whatever, like, what He didn't really like to do things, obviously this is all with his own hands, there isn't much guns in this story, but he likes to use tools, not really his own hands, which, I mean, he could, like. Which he, is ironic, because he's a strong bloke, he like, can, he. He could quite easily crush yeah, her. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, maybe it's a thing of like, it, maybe it's a sort of detachment thing. Mm. I don't know. I'm not in the psychology of things. I'm not, don't, I'm not a professional. Mm. Um, maybe it was like kind of a, it's not really me doing it if it's not my hands, mm. maybe. Yeah. 
So after the strangulation, Joe buried Kathy's body in a shallow grave nearby, which in my opinion is an incredibly cocky move. He not only lives on this property, he works there. Cocky or stupid? Both. That's what you got to ask. Both. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> Aside from his time in bars and crack dens, he has spent essentially spent nearly all of his time in this in this property, and this is the place he, he chose to bury he her. He probably had that kind of, you know, that sometimes killers have that kind of like like to revisit where they did it. He maybe he liked to know that it was there. You know, that's you say that nice. you say that. <laughs> so six months after the initial burial of Kathy, um, Joe dug up her skeleton and decapitated her, put her skull in a box and committed some necrophilic acts with it. And then Classy, Joe. Yeah. Classy. And then he threw it in the bin or trash for our like American it, listeners. Is it not is it not bad enough that you've literally took this woman's life away? That you think, fuck it, I'll just make it even worse and I'll just defecate your body. Like is at what point does it go through your head that this is like are you okay? It's like it's because, like, you know you get serial killers and they kill people and then they just... its That's what it is. That's what they do. But to go back again and and do that, it's just... It's just... It makes me sick. Mm. It does make me sick. You do hear a lot about, especially serial killers, where they have um, sex and sexual assaults as a part of their killing. You, you hear a lot how it's not essentially really about the sex that it's arousing for them it's just the power it's the control that they have over them and maybe doing that with kathy's head even afterwards is just a kind of final power trip yeah nailing the coffin for him being like this is it i did this and yeah not cool joe not cool not cool so after this we'll skip ahead a year where in the grand old year of 1995 (laughs) Hey, someone's birthday! <laughs> the best year, and other than this story, of course. <laughs> In the brilliant old year of 1995, Joe was actually tried for murder in a different case. While searching for his estranged partner and her partner, who she kind of ended up doing a lot of drugs with, um, he was actually looking under Baltimore's Hanover Street Bridge, which was a kind of popular place for um, homeless people. They kind of made their own popu- uh, population society down there in this kind of... So a lot of makeshift camps, quote, unquote, it? tent city is what I've, I've seen it been called. Um, and that's not the shop that you get tents at. Yeah. <laughs> Just Satan. <laughs> so under the bridge one night, um, Joe approached two of these men, two of these homeless men. They were named Randall Brewer and Randy Piker. Where, in Joe's cracked out mind, he believed this men had known his partner and had previously done drugs with her. I couldn't find any evidence to support this. It's a possibility. She, his, his partner was known to do drugs as well, but... But even so, like, so what, Joe? So what if they... they shoot it up with your ex-partner so what joe like let them live (laughs) yeah he doesn't um (laughs) so and he was he was erratic he was paranoid at this point in his life so believing that these men were lying to him and that they did know his partner knew her location 
he um, he uh, he killed them both with an axe. Yeah, um, which is just if you imagine you're you're a homeless person, you're displaced from your home, you're trying to find some kind of shelter under this bridge, and then this massive psychotic man approaches you and just starts screaming about his missing girlfriend, and you try to mind your own goddamn business, and he axes you. Hey, mate, Joe, they just want to live their life, bro. Like they're just tr- like it's hard enough as it is. They don't need an axe swung at them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, like he, he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like in the nicest way, he just doesn't give a fuck. Like he just, oh, because I've read this case mm-hmm. a couple of times mm-hmm. in preparation for this, and I still can't get over just how much this guy was just an asshole. Like he just didn't give a fuck. Like, anything that was getting in his way, it was going down. Like, he was doing what he wants, when he wants. He really did not have any regard for humans, human life. Like, just people. Like, you're killing people's sons, mums, sisters, granddaughters. Like, he just doesn't care. Mm. And I do find it psychologically quite interesting because, as we know from your, your, your research... He was a well-behaved child generally at school. He was smart. He was above average. And I understand he didn't have a great home life. Far from it. And, but even with the, the drugs in Vietnam, possibly, and kind of the neglect he suffered, it seems as though the one breaking point that took him to this was his partner leaving. Which I understand. And I'm like, yeah, fair play. It's like... It can be hard. Mm. Everyone's had a partner leave them. Like, everyone's had a breakup. They're hard. They're difficult. They are emotionally quite straining. And they can take you to places that you don't want to go. But it it wasn't like he really... Like, I know he's like, oh, I cared about them. Because you obviously must have. Because it was your reason to break. But if you're doing crack cocaine and you're... She's doing crack cocaine. And you're all just not really giving a shit about this child. Mm. And... Because you're not giving that child the best of life. You yeah. obviously don't care that much. You're so self-involved in your own stuff. Can you use that as an excuse to break you? Or is it just the point of what you needed a reason to give you, this is why I did it? Mm. What, own your shit, Joe. Own your shit. You mm. did what you did because you're not a good person. Mm. Don't be blaming it on this woman and it's all her fault. Like, It is okay to get out of a relationship if you're not happy. You should never mm-hmm. feel... You can't because your partner's going to do something crazy or wild. Like, it's not acceptable. And it's not an excuse for me. Like, I personally, yeah, your life was shit. Like, you're growing up, life, you're apparently neglected. It's hard. But there's millions of people out there that grow up in not great home lives. Like, and they're not going off down the freaking bridge and, like, chopping people up for Sunday roast. That we know of. (laughs) (laughs) But they're just not... They're not doing it, so there's not really... Ex- I, like, I get there's a psychology behind it. I'm never going to say there's not, but you've still got to see, like, are you just an arsehole or mm. is there a reason? Like, everyone has a reason to be going and doing stuff. There's just something that stops them from doing it. Human decency, normally. Um, I just... I can't back that. I can't back the, oh, but he had a really bad life. I, I get it, and I, and if you turned out to be a good person, Joe, then I would have been sympathetic towards you. But mm-hmm. you turn out to be, you went down the wrong road. You mm-hmm. did it, so absolutely not. No, 
no sympathies for you, Joe. I'm sorry. You you got what you deserved. Mm, absolutely. And I think in this night in particular, he just had such a craving for violence in any way possible. He just impulse controls out the window. He, he just let go because in the same night, he killed these two men with an axe. Um, in around the same area, I couldn't confirm if it was exactly like in the same bridge um it was it was definitely in the area um joe went on to kill another two sex workers by luring them under a bridge um and murdering them with the same axe he'd used on randall and randy unfortunately i couldn't find the names of these women which is tough i'm not even sure if they were identified formally we just know them as the women or the sex workers the ladies of the night exactly um yeah so after murdering these two women joe also noticed um a man a fisherman um unnamed also he believed this fisherman nearby may have seen what he'd done to these two men under hanover bridge and these two sex workers so of course for the avoidance of doubt joe killed him as well because you gotta clean those tracks bro <laughs> yeah Oh, fuck it. What's one? What's one? I bet he was just there, like, oh, he may have seen, he may not. Why not? Like, why not? Like, no one's going to miss this guy. Like, fuck it. (laughs) No, Joe. No. (laughs) He's a person, Joe. No, and him. He probably couldn't even see without his glasses on because I know I can't. So, probably might not have even seen anything. And Joe just thought, what? Let's not worry. Which makes me laugh, considering from a guy who, going back, a couple of years ago, buried his victim on the same land that he worked at. He was obviously not that bothered about being that cautious. Um, but then skip on a couple of years and he's literally murdering someone just in case. It's, it's bizarre behaviour. I think mm-hmm. it was just a wrong place, wrong guy sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. he just, the guy just happened to have been there. Joe thought, what's one more? Mm-hmm. I just, yeah not a nice guy really not great so this is a thing that isn't really related to joe's case directly but i thought it was kind of interesting and worth mentioning so in this homeless population under the hanover street bridge there had been historically some kind of tensions between rival groups of homeless people and the night that Metheny killed these five people, he, I guess, kind of just dumped his axe then, pieced. Um, which, uh, there is a river there, but it's okay. It's just another thing, isn't it? Like, oh, I'll kill this guy just in case he saw, but I'll just leave the murder yeah. weapon. Like, who? no one's going to find him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very strange. So he, he, he dumped this axe in the area. And then a... A homeless man named Larry Amos. Um, he stole the oh, axe. Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Larry wasn't the best. Um, so he uh, he he picked up the axe and used it to kill another homeless man called Everett Dowell. So we have three homeless men axed under the same bridge by two different men, I believe, in the same night. So Larry just thought, oh, wow, what's this shiny thing on the floor? Oh, it's an axe. I'll learn how to use it. Like, come on, Larry, do better things. It's free real estate. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the bodies, which by bodies I believe is referring to the bodies of Everett Dell, Randy Brewer, and Randy Piker. Um, That's a lot of Randy. Because Metheny <laughs> um, would later confess he um, he disposed of two the bodies of the um, the two women, the two sex workers, and the unknown fishermen. He disposed of them in the nearby river. I suppose it's because although they're sex workers and a fisherman, someone might might have been looking for them mm. someone might have come looking for mm. them whereas the likelihood of someone looking for a homeless person i suppose is less of a chance mm. i don't know but yeah i suppose yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just i oh, just i think he's such a dick <laughs> so larry our good friend was arrested and accused of first degree murder and pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of manslaughter and he was released after serving only one year and nine months of an eight-year sentence that is disgusting i don't i really don't understand how that can happen what was the judge thinking like do you know what larry i feel a bit sorry for you we'll knock it down to manslaughter it's not manslaughter he wanted to kill him he made it his point to kill him how can you back that up to manslaughter? I, I understand that the definition of manslaughter is murder that is not premeditated. I get that, but it's just... No one usually sees an, a bloody axe, which was definitely bloody by this point, on the ground and think, hey, I know what I'm going to do with this. I'm not going to maybe get rid of it. I understand if you don't want to turn into police because you're already a homeless person, you may have the police on your back already, but maybe don't murder another guy. If, you, if you're out on the streets, Larry, and you've got nowhere to go, use the axe to chop some wood and make yourself a fire. Don't be chopping down people. I just, to me, I always thought manslaughter was uh, death by accident. Mm. Like, unintentional, you didn't mm-hmm. mean to kill them. Mm. It just happened. How you can act like, oh no, I slipped and the axe <laughs> fell into this person and then they died. It's not believable. And um, whatever this judge was thinking, I'll never know. Um, don't, don't be letting them out. <laughs> don't let them out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we don't have much information on whatever happened to Larry. If he ended up offending again, we we don't know. But hopefully, Larry went down a better behalf. Let's better hope behalf. Not. Better path. <laughs> So, Metheny was eventually found that he had something to do with this whole bridge fiasco and um, was later convicted. But a jury actually concluded in July 96, a year later, that there was insufficient evidence to convict him of murdering Randall Brewer and Randy Piker. However, in a few years, when he was caught for good, he later confessed and... I will be quoting part of his confession now. Please keep in mind there's some language in here I would never use um, to describe <laughs> any any human. I really don't think you will. Um, <laughs> but this is uh, yeah, j- just, a, just a warning. Okay. We're just going to put a warning on this. It's not lovely language. Um, and if, if anyone's got sensitive ears or don't think that they'd be comfortable listening to this, then maybe just skip forward a bit for us um it's not the best it can trigger someone we don't want to have that happen um we understand it's not great stuff we personally don't believe these things like we we would never speak about people in these ways um but just a little warning that if if you feel uncomfortable listening to it just skip it through until the end Mm um so yeah thanks yeah skip ahead a couple minutes okay 
Joe says about his, and here he's referring to his, um, his ex-partner and um, her partner, um, how he's not super pleased how she left. And I understand him being upset that um, his son was actually removed from his partner's custody and taken to social just services, but you literally asked people you don't have. go buy some Kleenex, Joe, wipe the tears away, <laughs> make your life better. If he had gone out and made himself better, got off the drugs, he could have then maybe gone and got custody of his child. Um, it's not like he lacked evidence to prove that his ex-partner was abusing drugs too. Like, mm. he could have done it if he mm-hmm. wanted to. Um, just, come on, Joe, no. <laughs> so he says, I had no chance of going to social services and trying to get my son back due to my past criminal record. So I took it upon myself with the hatred I had for these two who lost my son, he's referring to his ex-partner and her new partner, to go looking for them. I'd found out from someone that they were going under that bridge and getting high with some homeless motherfuckers who lived under that bridge. I went under there looking for them. They were not there, but these two homeless motherfuckers they got high with them were down there. They were passed out on some old stinking mattress, and that's where they were when I left, except they were dead from being chopped up. Which... By the way, we didn't really cover earlier, but by them both and by them, he's referring to Randall and Randy, they were on the mattresses, possibly even sleeping, when he clearly went up to them, started yelling about his family, and then just acts. There was there was no kind of defence here. It's just the way he's so nonchalant. Nonchalant? Is that a correct word? That is. Okay, thanks. <laughs> you can leave this in. <laughs> um, it's just the way he just doesn't seem to care about his actions. There's no remorse. There's no, what I did was bad. I'm sorry. I was in a really bad way. There's no, there's no remorse. And that's why I don't have any kind of sympathy for this guy. Like, if there was some ounce of human still left, yeah. then you could maybe possibly feel something. But there's, there's just nothing. The guy is a pure scumbag. Like, yeah. You can't, there's no justifying his actions there's, at all. Yeah, there's no, there's no human left in him at this point, I think. Okay, this bit's tough. Um, that same night, I lured, I lured, lured, how do you say that? Lured. Lured? Okay. Lured. Lured. Lured, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> that night, I lured the first crack court under that bridge. I got her high and was trying to get information out of her about my old lady's whereabouts. She acted like she didn't know. So I beat the hell out of her and raped her ass, then killed her. I put her in some bushes and then went down and lured the second bitch down there. I did the same to her as the last one, but just as I was about to throw her in the bushes with the other one, I noticed an old black man down by the river, fishing, looking back up at me. I grabbed a steel pipe that was laying by and ran down on him and laid his head wide open. So I put the girls and him in the river and weighed them down with rocks. That was a very busy night for me. Five murders within about seven hours. It's just the way he's like, yeah, it was such a busy night. Like, I live, I leave work and I'm like, oh, God, I'm tired. It was such a, such a hectic day. Mm. And he's just like, oh, such a busy night. Like, you just murdered five he's people. He's proud. He's proud. What? What? Like, he's talking like it's his day job. Like, oh, man, it's not acceptable it's for this. Tr- he says five murders within about seven hours, which is... It, it is strange, especially because with serial killers, not that there's kind of a, a baseline for a normal serial killer, but we see usually with some well-known ones, let's say, 
I don't know, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, to name a few. They, they'd kill someone, they'd cool off for a few weeks, like a couple months, a year. And I've heard that with Ted Bundy before. Um, he'd, he'd kill and he'd wait a while and then the urge to kill again would become so much that those periods of cooling off in between become shorter and shorter and shorter. But it seems like for Joe, this, it, this was just a frenzy in this one night, five people in seven hours, he was just absolutely on a rampage. And he did say um, he spent close to 18 months in Baltimore City Jail waiting to go to trial. And when he did, it only lasted one week and was thrown out of court due to lack of evidence. Which is just... It's just... I get, I get, like, back then, evidence wasn't as great. But, like, I don't know, like... Would you not... Because I know that they didn't, like, retry him on a lot of them, but the guy has confessed. And he's confessed in such a way that he just... I get that he is a bit of a liar, as we've seen through a lot of the stuff we spoke about today. Um, but just... He's an animal anyway. And he's telling you all these, these, these things that he's done. And some of them you've not even found. Would you just not... Know, would you just not be like, that's it goodbye mm. off you pop and it's also kind of in just an insult to these to these people even if i know it, we'll, we'll talk about a bit later his um, actual sentencing and he does get a while but it's also just an insult to these people's families if he, even if he did get which he does get um life in prison or the death penalty these people's families have to know the fact that oh yeah he killed my son I he know. killed my daughter yeah. And n nothing came of it. It's having that. It's having that closure. I know nothing's mm -hmm. ever going to bring your daughter or son back, um, but it's having that closure to know that yes, everyone knows he's the guy that did it. Everyone knows he's going to suffer for it. It's having that closure on that situation because if you don't have that closure, you you don't know. You might sit there and be like, well, maybe he wasn't the one that did it. Maybe it was someone else. And you you'd always have that what if. Um, and it's just. They've gone through so much already. It just puts them through more. And mm -hmm. I, 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 honestly, my heart goes out to them because it must must have really been awful for them to have to, one, sit and listen to the, the audacity of this guy mm. just talk about their family members in this way like it was nothing, like he served them some dinner. Like, it's, it just makes me so angry because there's just... Sometimes there's just not enough justice in the mm. world. Um and he, he definitely deserved more than what he got. Mm, absolutely. They were, these people were never even buried. They were never even found. And we don't even know their names, which is one of the most heartbreaking. I can't even call them by their names. Which is just... Whew. Okay. So let's move on. Similarly somber. Um, in the middle of November 96, Joe killed 23-year-old Kimberly Lynn Spicer by stabbing her with a knife. At the time of her murder, Kimberly had been working as a sex worker in the South Baltimore area, and one night, Methney brought Kimberly back to his trailer, where he brutally killed her, and then dismembered her body, discarding parts of it under some wooden pallets at his work, and other parts under kind of nearby trailers which is, again, infuriatingly cocky, um, when um, it's just a total disregard for consequences. I think it just got to this point where he just didn't really think he was ever going to get caught. I think, he, I think he thought, 
I'm all right, boys, I'm untouchable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I can do what I want and no one's ever going to bring me to justice on this. Because you've got to think how many... He's killed quite a few people at this point and um, he's never actually kind of got, got consequences for his actions. Yeah. So he's probably just riding this high thinking, I can, I'm literally, like, I'm God, I'm untouchable, mm-hmm. like... Oh, yeah. He went to he went to bed. He slept in his trailer, knowing parts of this woman of Kimberly were less than ten feet from him when he slept. I think it's a power thing, you know. I think it's a it's a trip. It's a, mm. oh yeah. I know it's there. I know what I've done. It's mm-hmm. that reminder. Oh, he's he's just vile. He's a mm-hmm. vile human. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to call him a human because no. he doesn't he doesn't deserve that acknowledgement of being yeah. a human because he doesn't hold any of the qualities of being a human. He doesn't care. He has no regard for life. He's, uh, uh, yeah. And it's insulting to call him an animal because even animals <laughs> act better. <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. Um, in his confession years later, Joe would um, boast about what he did to the bodies of his first victim we discussed, Kathy Ann Magaziner and Kimberly Lynn Spicer. He said, I killed and butchered their bodies up. I cut the meat up and put it in some Tupperware bowls, then put it in the freezer. Over the next couple weeks on the weekends, I opened up a little open pit beef stand. I had real roast beef and pork sandwiches. And why not? They were very good. Good to know, Joe. The human body tastes very similar to pork. If you mix it together, no one can tell the difference. Everything was going pretty good until I ran out of my special meat. Oh, yeah. Mmm, yum. Mm. Just, oh, don't eat any burgers from yeah. Joe. <laughs> and we don't have much evidence to, unlike kind of maybe in the Jeffrey Dahmer case, to fully confirm that he did do this and that he perhaps may have sold these people burgers to other unsuspecting strangers but that there's no way to confirm or deny you know that evidence is digested now um and but the thought alone is is kind of enough to to haunt me it's bad isn't it because you think you go you're going up to your your burger trucks and stuff and you're expecting to get yourself a bit of beef a bit of pork i love a burger nobody expects to get a side of human yeah and the fact that... Vote. Unless you're going to Tesco, it's a side of horse. Because <laughs> <laughs> imagine those people who may have, let's say, may have eaten those, they may to this day still not know. Yeah, They've no, digested could... a woman. It's, yeah. it's just, it's horrific. Um, so just a month later, on December 8th, 1996... He's really getting cocky. <laughs> he is. Joe kidnapped his friend, which... Okay, friend is a a loose term. I, I I don't I don't know in this world who would be friends with this man, but probably someone who's quite high, maybe, and is unaware yeah. of what he's getting up to. <laughs> so he kidnapped his quote unquote friend Rita Kemper and attempted to rape her. According to the prosecutors, he such a good friend. Yeah, he occasionally shared drugs in his trailer with Rita. Um, he offered on this day that he um or offered i'd say threatened to have sex with her 
Um, Rita refused and started to run out the trailer. And Methany, ever the ever the gentleman, he chased her, beat her, dragged her back inside, pulled down her trousers, and attempted to rape her. Like, this guy must have been able to move. Like I know he was a big lad, he was but he big. must have been able to move. Like must he have got been fast. He got from the top of that bridge down to that fisherman quite quickly mm. and stuff. Like boy could move. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so luckily, actually, one of the bright bright spots in this case, and much to the dismay of this compost bin of a human, um, Rita escaped through a window of the trailer and alerted nearby police. Um, she later said that Methany taunted her by saying, I'm going to kill you and bury you in the woods with the other girls. And um, we also have another quote from his confession talking about this specific case. He says... So I lured another bitch up to my trailer. I got her in there and started to rip off her clothes and knocking the hell out of her. She was screaming, but there was no one around to hear her except me. I just kept on laughing at her. I turned around for a split second, and that was my mistake. She ran out the door before I could get to her. There was an eight-foot chain-link fence with barbed wire on top of it around the front of the company. There was a stack of wooden pallets next to the fence about ten feet high. That bitch scaled those pallets like a monkey and jumped the fence and ran down to the main road where some guy in a pickup truck picked her up and took her to a nearby gas station where they called the cops. Well, I knew the cops were on their way, but I didn't run. I gathered up her clothing, grabbed the keys to the gate, went out and opened it. As soon as I step out the gate, a cop car pulls up. The cop jumped out, pulled his gun and told me to get on the ground. And that was where it all came to an end. Thank God for Rita, because I don't think if she hadn't got away, I, I don't think he would have stopped. I think he would have kept going. I don't. He, I genuinely don't think he thought he had anything stopping him. I think he thought he could keep going, and mm-hmm. he would. He probably would have. He probably would have. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's just the way he describes it. He describes the scene like it's nothing out of the ordinary like it's normal day-to-day things occurring like he describes it the way i would describe getting ready for work and yeah like there's no emotion there's no remorse there's no there's just nothing Mm. and it just shocks me every time because there's just no no care for what he's done Mm -hmm. even going out to meet meet the police it's so cocky it's almost like he knew that they would get him but they weren't ever going to press charges on him they weren't ever going to take it that far um, thank God they did. Yeah, and Rita in this case seems to kind of be the only lucky one. Not that she was lucky to be in that situation in the but first place, but it could have been worse. She she got her life. So before he was actually arrested, um, Joe asked a friend to help him bury the body of Kimberly Lynn Spicer, um, which he'd been hiding at the factory since killing her. Um, he was she was the one he. Um, he kind of discarded her remains around his property. The friend uh, luckily reported it to police, didn't help him. How dumb um, friend. <laughs> and obviously that helped in his conviction. Um, the owner of his business where he actually worked was also arrested um, and charged with an accessory after the fact of um, from supposedly disposing of evidence. But as Methany began confessing to the other murders... Um, he led the police to a shallow grave where he'd reburied Magazina's decapitated remains. If you remember, he buried her six months later, took up her head. Uh, much of the skull was missing, good to know. But um, and the only way the police were able to identify Kathy Magazina was by her dental records because there was 
Not by that point, that there was nothing. Now we'll move on to the sentencing and confession. So Joe was charged in 1997 in the Rita Kemper case and given a sentence of 50 years for kidnapping and attempted sexual assault. He was acquitted of attempting to murder her somehow. Um, he was sentenced to death in 1998, though, for the murder of Kimberly Spicer. At the sentencing hearing, he said that he committed the murders because he enjoyed it, got a rush and a high out of it, and had no real excuse other than he liked to do it. Just, oh, every time, every time a sentence that he said comes out, it makes me hate him more. And I didn't think it was possible, but honestly, this guy... He's the biggest bit of scum going. Like, I I wouldn't even piss on you if you're on fire. Like, just, no. you're just an asshole. You're, you're just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, genes were wasted on you. Absolutely. In August 1998, Joe pleaded guilty to murdering and robbing Kathy Ann Magaziner. Prosecutors sought the death penalty in that case as well. However, he did only receive a sentence of life in prison. His death sentence was actually overturned in 2000. And the sentence of murder of Kimberly Spicer was reduced to life without parole. The rationale for the death penalty was that the murder had been committed while committing a robbery. But the evidence suggested that robbery was, of course, not his motivation. No, it was this second thought. He thought, ah, I'm going to get her, but what can I get out of it? Mm. He did um, bury her clothes and purse um, somewhere else on the property. So clearly he didn't give a shit about her actual belongings. He just wanted her. Yeah, we know what it was. It was just, it's just like when you've got a defense, like when you've got lawyers, of course, if they're getting paid or whatever, they're they're trying to find a way around it. Um, And unfortunately in this case, it worked. Mm. Um, But we all know what you were doing, Joe. We all know. (laughs) So during his confession, which was clearly lengthy with with the amount of quotes we've already read, um, he told investigators that his only regret was not killing his ex-partner and added, it ended up as a passion for the taste of blood and the overwhelming sense of power one gets when taking the life of another. He's just a pure narcissist, isn't he? Like, I think the guy, how long his confession is, it's just a point of that he just enjoys listening to his own is he loves to listen to his own voice he Mm -hmm. loves the attention to be on him he's a pure narcissist and i think a lot of traits in like serial killers they tend to be very narcissistic it Mm -hmm. tends to be they like to know about themselves they like they like the rush of all eyes on me Mm -hmm. um it's it's just you can't get over like just how how much of an absolute disgusting human being you need to be to just do these things in the first place, but then not give a shit about it afterwards. He didn't even pretend. No. He did not even pretend to care. There was no, like, it's just, he, I can't get over, because so many times you read things and, 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 and killers will cry and they show some, some ounce of sorriness, but he just doesn't give, he just doesn't care. There's no, there's nothing. There's, there's, it's just so, like, it's like the lights are on, but no one's home. Mm. So when the police arrested Joe first in December of 1996, they expected him to put up a fight. I mean, you would. He was 
I guess 450 even to possibly 500 pounds. He was, what, 6'1". He was a factory worker. He had a tendency of being violent and irrational. Um, At the very least, they expected some kind of fight or struggle. Um, What they did not expect was a very detailed and upfront confession. He didn't didn't need prodding. He he was ready to speak. Um, He said, even, like prefacing his own confession he told police i'm a very sick person police believed he'd chosen young white sex workers who were addicted to heroin and cocaine as his main victims that was kind of his mo possibly because he may have offered drugs to them um obviously he may have um tried to buy sex from them he also could have thought they were weaker because of their dependency on drugs leave a trail either like Mm. not many people are going to go looking for someone who doesn't really have a home doesn't really have family connections like Mm -hmm. there's no one there to say they're missing Uh, it's an easy target and and a lot you'll find a lot of the times you'll get these big men these big serial killers they're big that that they can handle a fight and yet they go for the weak easy option Mm mm-hmm because it's just it's just easy. It's there to take. They think it's their right to be able to just do what they want. Mm-hmm. So, Methany was also indicted for killing a woman named Tony Lynn Ingracia, who's age 28. She was so young. But these lo- charges were later dropped because of lack of evidence. It's believed he um, found her um, kind of on a, on a high, or at least her body was found on a side of a highway. If this was his first murder, again, I didn't um, include at the beginning because it's not confirmed that he did kill her. But if he did, it's likely she would have been his first even before um, Kathy. So in early 94, we believe this took place. Um, He also claimed to have killed three other sex workers along Washington Boulevard in Baltimore. Although, again, there was not much evidence for these crimes other than his confession. He said that he'd thrown these bodies in the Patapsco River and that they had never been found. The Baltimore Sun newspaper, which, by the way, in a lot of my research, I believe it was the Baltimore Sun or some kind of Baltimore newspaper. I really tried to get information from this website. However, we were blocked because of EU laws or regulations like you're in europe you're not allowed to to go on this website we, we've use been a vpn <laughs> we need to get a vpn um <laughs> donate on patreon <laughs> we don't have one yet <laughs> but yeah um so i believe there is quite a lot of good information on that website obviously they're the people who first actually reported about the case while it was happening at the time if you want to know more about the case and you're in the continental united states hit them up we can't Um, Anyway, that newspaper, the Baltimore Sun, reported in 97 that wasn't clear how truthful Methany's claims were about how many people he had killed. Um, Although he said he had killed up to 10 people, um, that's obviously kind of either side is a bit iffy. I mean, with the amount of disregard he killed these people and that he had a tendency to go after people who were addicted to drugs or were homeless, those are mainly people who may not have kind of a support structure, who may not have families that are looking for them. It would be so, so easy to get away with murdering lots of people and 
people never finding out about it. So I believe it is probably around 10 or, as he claims, or even more. Um, he said that his attorney, not Joe, his attorney said he was remorseful and that drugs and alcohol had changed his personality and made him violent. But mm, he, he... Don't do drugs, kids. He was clearly in prison since, uh, what was it, 96? Um, no, 98. He was in prison since 98 up until his death in 2017. Um, he wasn't on drugs, likely, um, during that time, and he never apologised, so I, I really... It's always the first thing an attorney would say. It's just a way to get the jury to sympathise with these type of people. It's say they're remorseful, because you feel you, you, you're more inclined to listen to someone's story and their background if there's a, I'm, I, I now repent, I feel sorry, I'm, I, please forgive me, then you're more inclined to listen, whereas if they show no no sort of care or at, like they, they just have a general bad attitude towards the situation you're less likely to believe that they care or they're not the kind of people you want to put back into society mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely so that kind of concludes our case Metheny was found dead on august 5th 2017 at the age of 62 which isn't old but consider his size his health issues he likely had he didn't have he he wasn't long for this world what a shame the angel of death didn't get him earlier i know that's all i can say so this case was kind of a bit all over the place in terms of his victims his number of victims and the dates they took place so I did kind of make my own timeline in order to kind of kind of make it clearer for myself so we might put that on Instagram as well just so people can kind of follow along I'll give a quick rundown in February 1994 the body of Tony and Gracia was found who we said is a possible victim of Joe's however that was not confirmed but I wanted to add that in in July 1994 was the murder of Kathy Ann Magazina in 1995 was the murder of Randall Brewer, Randy Piker, a fisherman, two unnamed sex workers. On the 2nd of August 1995, the bodies of these men were discovered. In November 1996 was the murder of Kimberly Lynn Spicer. On December 8th 1996 was the kidnapping and attempted murder of Rita Kemper. On December 15th 1996, Metheny was formally arrested and charged with murder. August 1998, he pled guilty and got the death penalty. And in 2000, his death penalty was overturned and commuted to life in prison without parole. And in 2017, none too soon, he kicked it. He met his maker. Mm. And we'll also um, put some of our sources that we've used for our research on our Instagram as well, if anyone else would like to kind of look into this case. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not the most nicest one to dig into, but um, we can understand why people would like to go and have a little bit of a look at themselves. I mean, that's why we do this. It's <laughs> just it is a morbid curiosity for these kind of subhumans and just you just can't get over like why someone would do this. Like I find it fascinating myself to mm-hmm. to kind of understand why what why would you do these things? Because in my mind, I couldn't comprehend possibly doing these kind of things like they're just to such an extreme they're not just having a like having a bit of a scuffle with your friend or getting into an argument it's it's an extreme you're 
you're physically taken away another person's life like that that's quite a heavy heavy thing to do um so it, it it's just trying to analyze why why and how someone's able to do those kind of things and just go on about their day afterwards as well not not even kind of yeah, not like, even bat and eye oh, i've just murdered five people i'm about to go home and have me cocoa pops like <laughs> there's no mm, how how they're so able to separate out of that i would be in so much shock and so much panic it would cause me so much anxiety i don't think i'd be able to sleep if Mm -hmm. i I ever did something like that not that i think i would but (laughs) i just don't i don't understand how them how he sleep how he slept at night yeah especially knowing it's less than 10 feet away less than 10 feet i just i can't i can't deal with it and especially especially the burgers and knowingly not even being like oh yeah this this is my special people meet this is for me no he he supposedly just put it into burgers and sold them to people sold them to people and which is i'd say in my 21 years so far the best motivation i've had to become vegetarian i (laughs) wouldn't i wouldn't say it's enough (laughs) I, i i love a sausage but it, it, it's now, George. It's, <laughs> it's uh yeah it, it's a lot um but so any closing words shannon while we while we bid this tale farewell um i'm quite glad to see the back of um good old joseph roy metheny mm. um the guy the guy all i can say is he's a scumbag there's no if but where when about it he he's not a great guy you no one should look up to this guy he he's not an idol he's not he he's an animal he's he's disgusting um and i think today is covered just how how bad some humans can actually be mm-hmm. um and you just got to make sure you're safe out there and you're not you're not you're not risking yourself because there unfortunately in the world we live in there are people like this that won't don't have the best intentions mm-hmm. absolutely so thank you all so much for sitting through this story with us and please remember to not eat burgers from a strange man at a little open pit beef sound in south baltimore um um eat eat free range um and we don't mean the ones that run away (laughs) (laughs) we really don't mean the ones that run away please don't eat the ones please don't um if you'd like to keep up to date with with our episodes, we should be posting every week, in theory. Um, <laughs> we're recording this today on the 11th of March. God knows when it will actually go up. Um, this is our podversary for us in a year, hey. to remember. If you'd like to follow us at all, our Instagram is Sinners and Dinners Pod. Please comment um, any ideas you may have for future cases. Clearly by our podcast title, we'd like to pair our cases with some kind of food, although we will be doing one cannibal case a month. So this month's March was the lovely Joseph Metheny. So we hope we'll see you all soon and stay safe out there and always treat people with the kindness that you want to be treated with. Okay, later. That's it from me and Georgia. (laughs) See ya, bye.